we need to to be tapping into and engaging with that curiosity that young people have that children have and saying you know what yeah the bible the christian faith can stand up to the rigors of our questions the profile you're listening to premier christian radio Welcome to The Profile on Premier Christian Radio. I'm Ruth Jackson and The Profile is a show where we sit down with a well-known Christian to hear more about their life, faith and ministry. The Profile is brought to you in association with the UK's leading Christian magazine, Premier Christianity. The monthly title features more interviews just like this one, the latest news, reviews, columnists and more. To request a free sample copy of the latest issue of the magazine, visit premierchristianity.com slash free sample. Today on The Profile, I am speaking to Claire Williams, who will be joining us for the unbelievable conference next Saturday, the 15th of May. Claire will be speaking alongside New Testament scholar N.T. Wright, apologists Josh and Sean McDowell and best-selling historian Tom Holland. Together, we will be looking at how we can tell the greatest story ever told in the midst of a post-COVID world. You can find out more and book tickets to join our online conference from the comfort of your own home at unbelievable.live. That's unbelievable.live. Claire Williams is the founder of Get Real and she's currently studying for a master's in culture, diaspora and ethnicity at Birkbeck, University of London. Hi, Claire. Hey Ruth, <laughs> it's great to be here. Well, first of all, what is Get Real? Tell us a little bit about kind of the inspiration behind mm. that. Okay, so I um, trained in apologetics with um, OCA, the Oxford Centre for Christian Apologetics, back in 2018 to 2019. And I had such an incredible time, I learned so much. But I kind of found that kind of in the, the apologetics world, there was a slight missing uh, link there to questions and objections that come um, from the black community. Um, which have maybe a slightly different approach. And so I just felt that is something that perhaps I could help to try and um, kind of fill in that little gap. And so that's what Get Real is about, is responding to questions and objections um, to Christianity, but particularly those from the black community or or around the questions of, of racial justice. And why are you so passionate about that? Well, I think first and foremost, I'm passionate about being able to have an answer and have a have a robust uh, kind of way of talking about my faith I feel I grew up in sort of um I grew up in a Pentecostal church absolutely loved it um I had great experiences with God um answers to prayer sort of um the presence of God in worship all those beautiful things but I felt personally I wasn't able to articulate certain things about my faith and so apologetics has really given me the tools to do so and um, as I said, I'm passionate about this subject because obviously that everything that's going on right now uh, across sort of the media and in politics, all sorts of things, these questions are, are really coming to the fore. And I, I believe the gospel has fruitful answers. We'll come back to some of these big questions and big topics in a minute. But um, if it's all right with you, Claire, I'd love to go right back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Were you always a Christian? Did you grow up in a Christian household? Yes, I'm a preacher's kid. <laughs> yes, my Snapped. dad. Me too, me Yay. too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, so yeah, my dad was a fiery Jamaican preacher. Uh, they, my parents are from the Caribbean and my dad was Jamaican, my mum was, mum um, is St. Lucian and um, we just, yeah, grew up in church, I spent a lot of time in church and um, I became Christian at a very, very young age, water baptised at a very young age as well. Um, 
and was just surrounded by hearing scripture, hearing people preach and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and as I grew up with a real sense of God's presence in my life, but as I said, just feeling like there are some questions that I have that I'm not able to answer or there are some things that I haven't really heard explained. And so, um, yeah, that's a bit, 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 bit of my journey. <laughs> and was that when you sort of found apologetics, when you had those big questions or did that come later? And that came later. I, I would say that um, I think I kind of had um, possibly not the most healthy sort of split between secular and sacred. So for, for in the world of work, in my career, you know, you, you obviously you go kind of like in the strength of the Lord in your employment, but you use certain skills and certain ways of thinking for the secular world. And then you think differently when you come into the house of God, for instance. And, you know, I was never afraid to tell people I'm a Christian, never afraid to share my faith. Um, or Yeah, but there was just something slightly missing. And so I became um, interested in apologetics, I would say in my um, 20s, um, listening to certain speakers and thinking, well, oh my goodness, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, um, and I also did a short course with the C.S. Lewis Institute um the UK the UK um, version of it and it was it's basically a discipleship course but it also has um an apologetics element to it and I loved that part of it the most and so that helped me to get into it and then around um I'd always had my eye on the um Oka course on apologetics but I'd never had that sort of room in my career to go and dive into it and then the opportunity arose I thought right I'm taking it so you were a teacher for 10 years, right? It's quite a jump, isn't it, to go from mm. teaching into apologetics. How, I mean, how different is it? I think there's more similarities <laughs> than there are differences. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, talking to teenagers for the entire day <laughs> is very different <laughs> to kind of engaging with maybe like Gen Z, slightly old, uh, millennials, slightly older people, just, just just a wider range actually in terms of, of sharing ideas. Um, but I think the the similarities, and I was reflecting on this the other day, I think teaching really took off for me when I kind of um, learned the um, the utility of questions in order to get my students to think, rather than sort of just getting them to do sort of rote learning, which we don't encourage, but using questions effectively and actually seeing that in, that's what apologetics is about, is being able to give an answer to a question, being able to question assumptions and presuppositions, those sorts of things. So um, I, I, if you ask me, seven years ago five years ago what would you want to do I'd be like I'm gonna be a head teacher I'm gonna you know um stay in, in, in teaching but you know God has a has a way of of <laughs> disrupting your plans and I'm, I'm enjoying where I am at the moment um and I, I am involved in some aspects of education but just not you know on the front line in the classroom and we're going to be looking at some of the big questions that Generation Z, so that's sort of roughly speaking, anyone that was born sort of after the mid 90s to sort of early 2010s. And we're going to be looking at some of those big questions with you at the conference on um, May the 15th, which which I'm really excited about because I'm sure you have got <laughs> so much wisdom with your backgrounds and everything you do. But is, uh, do you think there are any big questions that particularly impact young black people, um, either Christians or non-Christians? Are, are they the same sorts of questions that um, that non-black people are asking or are there questions who are, that, that are sort of specific to the black community, do you think? You do get a set of questions from Gen Z that are generic across sort of ethnic background. So and I think the question of justice, whether that's to do with environmental justice, whether that's to do with racial justice, you know, um, I think 
justice is a massive massive thing and i think it's such a great way in for christians i won't say too much because we'll discuss it at the conference but i think um <laughs> the question of justice is huge is huge among um young people but what's also happening on the sort of racial justice side of things and obviously the world has, has has shrunk slightly because of social media we're seeing so much stuff from the us for instance in the uk people are you know instantly going live and, and recording things that we would never have not been pay, paying attention to in the past with regards to racial justice what's happening is if the church is not addressing it whether that's the the black church not addressing it black majority church or white majority church mixed ethnic um, um church is not addressing the issue of racial justice what is happening increasingly it is a small minority but it's a growing minority um you are getting black millennials and black gen z turning away from christianity to maybe afrocentric religions or to to black atheism um and and having real um issue with some of the idea of christianity perhaps being a white man's religion thinking about the bible being changed all these kind of kind of things so there is the objections are similar but they're coming from a different place and so what are we going to do <laughs> and that, my heart really goes out to to my generation because i know what it's like to have questions and feel like you the people you want to go to for answers are not able to answer or um and just just feeling that discomfort and having a sense of well i i, I think god is real i know god is real but these these things are hindering and they're barriers to my faith what do i do and there's various studies, um, a lot of them in the US, that talk about uh, converts to Islam being um, predominantly young black men. Do you think there's a sense then in which actually Islam is slightly less of a white man's religion um, and it's Christianity in particular that is the white man's religion? Yeah, well, I think um, the work of Elijah Muhammad in the Nation of Islam is is a key aspect of, of what, where that's coming from. And I think the Nation of Islam is very empowering to, to, to black men. I'm not talking about its theology. I'm just talking about in the kind of stuff it teaches about black dignity uh, and to resist as well. So I think there is an attraction to 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 um, Nation of Islam for for black men. Clearly, you don't think that Christianity is a white man's religion. So how do we sort of spread that message in a way that clearly a lot of these young people aren't hearing? It's going to take a, a range of ways, you know, um, lots of strategies. So first of all, acknowledging that a lot of the early church fathers were from North Africa and then representing them as such in our Christian art. You know, I know that when, um, for instance, the, the activist Sean King, he released a tweet back in um, 2020 about white Jesus. And um, yeah, it, it sparked, you know, outrage amongst Christians when he, when he released that tweet. But actually, that was the mainstream coming into contact with an objection that has been in the black community for, for a long, long time. You know, um, the Rastafarian community have been talking about this for a very, very long time. And so representation matters. If the only pictures I see of Jesus are white, you know, white hands. I'm talking about, you know, as a young person going into church members or family members' houses as a child and seeing, seeing uh, you know, the Last Supper, people looking very different to me. Um, you, you do get this sense of that, okay, I don't necessarily fit into the narrative of scripture. Where is my place? And I think um, a great organization, I'm sure, um, Premier, I think Premier, I've done some interviews with her before, Lisa Fields and the Jude Free Project in America, do a lot of work on talking about black presence in the Bible or black presence um, in Christian history. So there's this historical piece, the representation, and also 
Jesus himself as an apologetic he was an ethnic minority he was you know criminalized he was his parents were poor all of these things that many um, black people can identify with because of you know some of the inequalities that we do see in our society you know talk about Jesus and his not just as um I think sometimes we need to 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 focus on his 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 ethnic identity as well and, and how that speaks to what God was doing at the time and what God has to say about our our dignity as, as people of all of all um, races and cultures. Do you think there are um, different questions between young black people who aren't Christian and maybe there's there's something that's like an objection for them becoming a Christian, whether that's Christianity being a white man's religion or whatever that looks like. Um, and then are there different uh, questions for young black Christians who are within the Christian community but are perhaps questioning some of those things? Possibly, possibly. As I said, I do think black atheism is uh, is quite a minority, even if someone was never a Christian, they may well have been affiliated with church or affiliated with Islam, affiliated with Afro um, African spirituality. There's there there's a lot of sort of um, like a spiritual element to the black experience, whether that was you know a professed faith or not. Um, I think what's emerging for millennials and Gen Z in church is, and I think this is also for for those who've never maybe wouldn't call themselves Christian. It's this: where's the evidence for what I believe? Yes, I've, I've experienced this in church, but where's the evidence? Is, does it, is it backed up by science? You know, is it backed up by history, philosophy, all these other areas that I'm, I'm, I'm encountering when I go into university and I hear the objections, you know, and I'm listening to my lectures and then I'm coming to church and perhaps these things aren't being addressed. So I think um, having more robust um, responses to uh, questions and, and looking for for evidence and looking for um, why Christianity is a rational choice. Um, those are the kind of things. Maybe not articulated in that way, but these are the kind of things that are emerging. And I mean, do you think that issues of racial injustice are one of the big reasons as well that um, either people aren't coming to church in the first place or they're leaving um, because the church just isn't addressing the issues that are really important to them as young people? Possibly, possibly. Um, yeah, as I said, I think that there is a growing uh, minority of people turning away from Christianity. I literally had um, an email not too long ago asking for some support with um how a person can 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 support a friend who's turned to Hebrew, the Hebrew Israelite religion. Um, so people are voting with their feet, if you know what I mean, and, and turning away um, to, to things that sound very or, or very similar in, in um, to some degree to Christianity, it would seem on the surface anyway. And so it, there is a familiarity with it. It feels a little bit like home, but different. And so you get this sense of, of black dignity that comes with it. And I think for me, as someone who's raised in the Black Pentecostal Church, um, only in my sort of adult years have I really appreciated that Sunday after Sunday when I went to a black majority church, although, you know, the preacher didn't get up and say, welcome to black church. Um, that, <laughs> that, didn't, that didn't happen. But I, my dignity as a black person was being confirmed every Sunday when I saw, um, you know, people who may, who may be in church leadership you know, taking on great roles, you know, singing, preaching, you know, being very um, creative, being used by God, uh, deal with, you know, racism in, in, in the wider society. And then you've seen them, myself included, you know, part of corporate worship. And it, 
it's like, wow, yes, I am a person and I do deserve to be treated with dignity. And I don't think, um, as I said, I don't think that's like um, overtly said in the black majority church. And I think, you know, people of all races are welcome. However, there is that sense. I, I really do appreciate it now. Now, Claire, this is a massive, massive topic, but how do we even begin to respond as a church to issues of racial injustice? Mm. Yeah, it is, a, it is a huge topic and I don't think it's going to be going away for some time, to be honest. So I think acknowledging the fact that it's here to stay for a little bit, okay, you know, kind of thinking that it's going to die down in a few months time. I think that, that that's to do it, not to do it the justice it deserves. Um, and I think the first thing to do is, is to listen, listen to your um, black friends, your black peers, listen to them, resist the reflex to to, to offer an alternative to, to what they're saying. Mm. I, I just I think listening and, and believing as well. Um, I, I did find particularly last year looking at a lot of stuff, I would say in, in the Christian world, Christian evangelical world in particular as well, at just the my 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 white brothers and sisters not believing black black christians when we're saying this this stuff is happening and, and we're affected by it um and so that 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 to me is really important to listen and i think we get a good example of jesus doing that when people who are marginalized are listened to by jesus even when the crowds are saying be quiet don't say anything and, and pushing them out so listening and i think a good resource to to do that would be to look on the um churches together in britain and ireland website there was um a great uh, webinar called a moment of dishonor it was with some um, christian academics and christian um uh, politicians as well responding to the the recent um uk government race report and how we kind of make sense of that what is a theological response but but from uh, particularly the black experience so that would be a great resource i would say do check that out if you if you have some time and you're being very humble there claire because you were also involved in that conversation and are also a really important voice in all of this <laughs> <laughs> oh thank you well yeah i'm just thinking of the lineup i'm just like i'm so impressed i'm just like wow yeah there's some really really um great voices there yeah Going back to young people, is there one particular question that really plagued you as a young people or was it kind of a plethora of lots of different questions that you had? Hmm. Okay, so as someone growing up in church and literally hearing scripture all the time, I think I had lots of my questions around the, the veracity of the Bible, around the authority of scripture in terms of um, historical reliability, um, has it been changed? Those sorts of questions. Um, what do we make of certain passages? Um, how do we make sense, you know, the Genesis account? So I would say my questions were around the Bible because I really feel, and I did feel back then, that God spoke to me through scripture. But then if that comes into question, what do you do? Your whole world is turned upside down. So, um, yeah, and, and making sense of the different genres of the Bible, all sorts of things, but mine would be mostly around the Bible. And I think a lot of my friends would say, you know, Claire loves the word, she loves the Bible. And so a lot of my anxiety, I would say, or questions came around that. Um, and I just remember reading... I remember listening to a lecture again with the C.S. Lewis Institute um, with Tom Price. He talked about the Bible, uh, the historicity of the Bible, and then reading Amy Ewing's book, Why I Trust the Bible, and just feeling so refreshed and thinking, why didn't I know this? And I think that, that that's my heartbeat for young people of, of all different backgrounds, to give them this information sooner rather than later. They shouldn't have to encounter it when they're an adult um, and, and, you know, 
yeah dealing with lots of other different issues i think the sooner we get this information into the hands of our young people the better and i think william lane craig makes a great case for this in his book reasonable faith where he says look the church yes we teach you know sort of bible stories and our sunday schools and all that kind of stuff but you can start apologetics with, with young people from a young age because they're questioning you know what's the what's the, what's the child's favorite question why <laughs> i have a niece and she's, auntie Claire, why what and then you know so i think we need to to be tapping into and engaging with that curiosity that young people have that children have and saying you know what yeah the bible the christian faith can stand up to the rigors of our questions we might not like all the answers but there are there are um some really fruitful and really um robust question uh, answers that the bible can give to to, to to life in general so yeah i would say mine is mine um question was definitely around the bible so i've gone off on a tangent there get excited but um i also think maybe for young people today the questions are more existential you know about purpose identity who am i those kind of things and how do you think we do what you're saying there practically how do you think we create a space where actually apologetics is just kind of part and parcel of what we do at church because clearly that we're not going to be like studying rigorous academic texts and things like that we've got to be doing it in an age-appropriate way but what do you think that looks like yeah that's <laughs> a great question because i'm i'm involved in the youth work at my church and trying to do exactly what you're saying um well i think it's good to listen to what the questions are from your young people so we had a bit of a um session with our teens just listening to you know what topics you want to do and also kind of like doing some surveys what are what are your the topics you want to do but again with that there's a caution not to let theme and topic take precedent over scripture right just because we're doing i don't know the topic of i don't know i don't know conquest narratives in the bible or or that's not a good example um just because <laughs> just because you might be doing let's say we do the topic of racial justice okay there's there's nothing wrong with reading an entire book of the bible and going through that and seeing what what there is in that text which speaks to that rather than just picking scriptures from anywhere so our, our young people have no context of what the scripture is about what the book of the bible is about so that for me I, I always have that in mind so at the moment we're reading through the book of mark um in my church with the young people and just yeah it's been really really good so sorry i i, I keep going off <laughs> going off on a tangent but um so i think it's about listening to their questions what what have they, do they have questions about and not shying away from the fact that Christianity does make exclusive claims about the world and not apologising for such because every worldview makes exclusive claims about the world. And so what we do then is is to compare, not to not to put down our brothers and sisters from different religions or, 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 no, or no religion, but actually say, when you bring the deepest questions of your heart, when you bring the toughest questions of your mind, which worldview responds the most fruitfully? Which worldview corresponds with your sense of what the of 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 um of what the world is about? Because that sense is something that comes from God as well. So, yeah, I'll stop there. <laughs> Claire, if you could go back to your teenage self, knowing everything that you sort of learnt along the way, is there any advice that you would give to Claire as a fifteen-year-old? Yeah, I would say to myself, <laughs> this is quite cheesy. <laughs> I would say that you don't have to, um, you don't have to separate your mind from your faith. Worship experiences, you know, seeing God uh, and hearing about the supernatural, those kind of things are not separate from a, a rational thinking mind. And there's great evidence um, to, for us to, to, to make 
Christianity a rational choice for us to live our lives uh, live our lives by. How do we find out more about Get Real and some of the things that you're up to? You can follow me on Instagram at getreal321 and you can go to realquestions.co.uk and um, just check out some of the events there. The events there is always being updated so you'll, you'll see links there to different places I'm speaking at or stuff like that. So yeah, do check out the website and um, the Instagram page. Claire Williams, thank you so much for joining us today and for all of your wisdom. And obviously you can hear much more from Claire uh, at the Unbelievable Conference on May the 15th. Get yourself a ticket for the conference if you've not got one already by heading to unbelievable.live. Thank you for listening to part one of The Profile. That was Claire Williams speaking to me, Ruth Jackson, here on Premier Christian Radio. Claire will be one of the speakers at our online Unbelievable conference next Saturday, the 15th of May. She will be joined by New Testament scholar N.T. Wright, apologists Josh and Sean McDowell, and best-selling historian Tom Holland. Together we will be looking at how we can tell the greatest story ever told in the midst of a post-Covid world. You can find out more and book tickets to join our online conference from the comfort of your own home at unbelievable.live. That's unbelievable.live.